You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So, as usual, I keep thinking we're done with this series, and then uh, the Lord drops another thing into my heart about it. We've been talking about making it hard for the devil to come in and steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. We're talking about not becoming easy prey, just just not making it so easy <laughs> for him. And we've come through a lot of topics. Uh, but this morning, I want to take just a little bit of, well, I don't know how much time, how much time we have. I'm going to take every second that I have available to me, put it that way. Uh, and I want to talk to you about uh, bitterness and I want to talk to you actually about some of the pathways. Bitterness is not the, the beginning. It isn't where we start. It's where we end up. And uh, so I want to talk to you essentially about bitterness, but I want to talk to you specifically about one of the pathways that, that leads us there. But uh, first of all, I just want to make a few uh, statements to you about it. What I've noticed is that, and I think it's almost sort of a cliche or a, a joke, but it's not really funny, uh, that as people become older, they can tend to become bitter if they don't do the right things along the way. Uh, I've known a few bitter young people, for sure, because of things that have already happened to them in life, but I've known a lot more bitter old people. And it's because, again, we don't start in bitterness. It's a place that we end up if we don't handle a, a number of very common experiences that all of us have. Uh, if we don't handle those things right, if we let those things get engaged in our heart, then bitterness will be the end result. And it's just a failure to learn as Christians how to navigate through these different things that come up in life and go through them uh, the way the Lord would have us go through them and to be able to cast things over on him along the way uh, so that we don't become bitter. And so I would say this morning that if, you, uh, if you're older, or if you're, let's say if you're younger, start now figuring out how to deal with these issues. And I'm going to give you a list, but we're really only going to look at one of them this morning. And most of these are common things that we talk about pretty often. But if you're younger, start now. Figure out how to work through these things when they happen so that you don't end up bitter. If you're older, start now, okay? If you didn't start when you were younger, it's never too late with God, okay? There's, there's repentance for us. There's renewing of the mind. There's changing the way that we handle different things in our life so that we never have to become bitter old curmudgeons, okay? Uh, is curmudgeon a, a gender neutral? Are there female curmudgeons? I always think of them as, as male, but, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure there are female curmudgeons. Maybe, they, maybe it's a different um, curmudgeets. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so here are some of these common pathways, and you'll recognize, I mean, we talk about these things pretty regularly, and, and this is why. And the first one is just uncontrolled or unresolved anger. You know, Scripture says, "Don't let your son, don't let the sun go down uh, while you're still angry." And so we need to learn how to not just bury 
things that we get mad about, but actually work through them and, and come to a place of uh, peace in our hearts and come to a place uh, of releasing anger. And, and again, something we talk about quite a bit. But if you think about anger, if you think about there are a lot of people today that are they're in jail or they've lost all of the relationship with their family, or they've lost jobs, or they've lost their driver's license, or whatever, simply because they never learned how to control their anger. And so either they assaulted someone, or they did something foolish on the road, or uh, something along the way, and it's just because they didn't lo- learn how to control anger. I mean, it, it's, it's just a very, everybody, we're, we're going to have things happen that'll, you know, we're going to get angry about, but we've got to learn how to get through it. And when it's with another person, the key there is, you know, scripture says, make peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. You're not responsible for their response to whatever you do. You are responsible for you. Okay, so so we can learn to work through anger. The second one is disappointment. Okay, it has uh, the potential to absolutely destroy your hope disappointments. Everybody's going to have disappointments. Everybody's going to go through times where you're disappointed with a person. Sometimes we actually get disappointed with God, which we're always off track when we do that. I mean, we're always misunderstanding his character when we do that. But nevertheless, it happens. And so if you lose, if you let disappointments build up, you lose the ability to have hope, which is vision. And there's no drive for you to go forward. There's no track for faith to run on when you don't have hope in your life. So it can really derail you if you don't learn to deal with disappointments. Uh, the third one is regret. And again, I'm not taking time on these just because we, we do talk about these frequently. And I, I feel impressed to talk about jealousy this morning. It's going to be fun. So uh, even more fun than last week, I think. Uh, so regret, okay, regret a lot of times is about learning to forgive ourselves for something. Learning to forgive ourselves and move on. We all make mistakes. God knew that. Uh, That's why forgiveness and redemption and restoration is there. God's incredibly good. Uh, If we can can forgive ourselves and remember, nothing's impossible with God. Your mistakes are not bigger than his salvation. Your mistakes are not bigger than his ability to restore. Somebody else's mistakes that you got caught up in are not bigger than his ability to restore. And, and you know, that, that tends to, it's just never too late. Let me just stop there. It's just never too late with God. He's really good at restoring. And, and let me just say this about restoration. Many times, God will, and, he, and there are a number of promises about restoration. We actually live in an age of where the Lord is restoring what can be restored in the earth. Um, many times what, when, when something is restored to us, he can't give you the original thing that was lost. Maybe you've lost a person or something like that. It's not that they are going to be there when you get home today, but he can restore what was lost, and, and he restores even more than what was lost when he restores in the sense of bringing other things or other people or whatever into your life and restoring what was lost in here. He's, he's really, really good at it. So regret is one of those things. If you just keep living with regret and you don't take it to the Lord, uh, you can just really end up later in life bitter. And, and there, 
Honestly, for Christians, there isn't a good excuse for any of us to become bitter or to stay bitter. And then offense. I mean, we talk about offense a lot, you know, and uh, you just have to, it comes down to forgiving. It comes down to forgiving people, sometimes forgiving yourself. And, and you just have to remember with forgiveness that it's not forgetting. You don't forget what happened. It's not excusing what happened. It's not saying what happened was okay. It's not any of those things. It's giving up your right to hold a grudge, to be resentful, to exact some kind of revenge, uh, to, to try and get, you know, some level of retribution. You know that you've forgiven when you can think about the event and it no longer, it's there. You're not happy about it, but it doesn't pull you down anymore. It doesn't have a sting. It doesn't grab your heart. You, you can think about that person. You can, let's say it this way, it, you'll know you've forgiven when that person gets blessed and you're happy about it. Or when that person suffers defeat and you're not happy about it, okay? Either of those things are pretty good indicators that you've actually forgiven. And until you've actually forgiven, just, you know, just keep taking it before the Lord. His grace is there to enable us to forgive, okay? So jealousy is what I feel like we're supposed to talk about this morning. And jealousy will lead to bitterness as surely as any of the rest of these. It seems to me, and I think this will become more clear as we dig into some scriptures, I believe jealousy is on the increase in our society. And I'm certainly seeing more of it as a pastor. I'm seeing more people come into my office with problems in their life. And it turns out it stems from being envious of another person, jealous of another person, and therefore disappointed or, or uh, upset with God or all kinds of things. Uh, the person who is jealous almost always says they're not, but it's very clear that they are. And, and I believe that involved with our whole entitlement culture and victimhood, we're going to see all of that come out as the Lord in the Word teaches about jealousy. We're going to see all of these traits uh, come out. A lot of times jealousy will be presented to you as a cry for justice. And I'll explain that to you in a few minutes, but it'll come out as a cry for justice when really what's going on is the person is jealous of another person's position or wealth or whatever, whatever that might be. I want you to notice that every one of those characteristics I just listed, every one of them changes you to the past. Every one of them keeps you from moving forward. It chains you to some thing that has already happened and gets your, your focus off what the Lord has for you. And every one of those conditions seems perfectly reasonable to the person who's in it. If, if somebody's offended, that you can, you can always, and, and if you're not aware of all this, you probably do, tell people why your offense is okay. Why you have every reason to be offended. You have every reason to be jealous. You have every reason to be disappointed. There's a, there's a logical process in your head that says this is okay. And all I can say to that is we have to always remember that God thinks completely differently than we do. He just is on a different track. He gives us different abilities, different ways of looking at life. It's never okay for us to fall into and stay in any of these areas, okay? We, we get into, you don't know what they did to me. 
uh, you don't know what I did. You know, I didn't, you know, they didn't deserve this. I was counting on that happening. I mean, we have these processes that go on and it's totally logical to us. Nevertheless, it is a spiritual condition that will lead you to bitterness. Okay. So does that make sense to you so far? All right. So let's go over to James chapter three and let's begin here and look at what the scripture says. James chapter three, I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Isn't that interesting? If I'm harboring bitter envy in my heart, I just love the way God is so straightforward with his word. Don't brag about it. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Uh-huh, we do. We do. It goes on, it says, such wisdom, notice that. We're, we're talking about harboring bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts. And it says, such wisdom. There is a wisdom, quote, it's in quotes in the NIV. I don't know if it is in everything, but such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. That doesn't sound good. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Okay, so again, to harbor bitter envy in your heart, it means to hold something in continuous possession. So see, you can escape right now from the whole rest of the message and say, oh, I was only, I was only jealous for a couple days. No, 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 don't do that, okay? If we're hanging on to it at all, if we're holding it in possession, then we're harboring something in our heart. You think about a harbor, it's a safe place, right? So I don't want my heart to be a safe place for, for jealousy. I don't want jealousy to find harbor in my heart, to find peace. I want it to find antagonism. I want it to be stung by bees when it comes into my heart so that it gets out of there. I don't, I don't want it to stay there, okay? And, and so this term bitterness, uh, where it's used in the scripture, it means a condition of heart that is poisonous and malignant. Malignant meaning cancerous, right? So it's poisonous. It will poison our hearts and it will poison other people. We'll see that in Hebrews here in just a second. And it's cancerous. So cancer, one thing we know about cancer is it almost never, it doesn't stay in one place. It's malignant. It grows. The cells around the cancerous cells can, you know, get cancerous too. It grows, it moves, it spreads throughout your body. And that's the same way with bitterness. You don't, you know, bitter, bitter people will often isolate themselves, but you still infect people around you. You still infect whoever you hang out with. It's, uh, it will poison your outlook on life. It will corrupt. And we're going to see this. Jesus taught about this. We're going to see this out of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. It will corrupt your heart. It will create a lens in your heart that sees everything through that jealousy and, and it's bitter envy. The two are tied together here. It spreads throughout your life. It spreads to other people, okay? Bitterness makes a person toxic. Bitter envy makes a person toxic. They're poisonous. And, and that's why a lot of times they end up with no friends, they end up, and then, they're, and then they're bitter because they don't have friends. But it, it gets to a point, and, and bitter people, if you don't agree with them, or people who are envious, it's hard to separate these two, the scripture puts them right together, 
if you don't come in and just agree with them and scratch their back and, and tell them they're right, they will cut you off out of their life. Because they've already cut God off, so it's pretty easy to cut you off. And they will cut you off out of your life. And then they're upset. They're more bitter because they don't have friends, but they've poisoned their friends or hurt their friends or cut themselves off from their friends very often. I mean, I've seen situations where, oh man, loads of people reached out to this person or this couple and reached out and reached out and reached out and reached out. But that was rejected and they finally cut themselves off. But then they're, but then they're angry because nobody's coming around and everybody who was coming around is going, I don't know what more I could have done. So let's, so let's not be those people. Uh, bitterness releases itself okay, in things like suspicion, accusation, malice, depression, and violence. Okay, malice is sort of a, it's violent, but it's an inward seething, continuous anger toward life. Okay, so it's interesting here. He says, look, if, if you're harboring bitter envy in your heart, don't boast about it or deny the truth. And, and that's what boasting about it is telling other people just how justified your cause is. And one of the things with a lot of these offense, anger, these different things, Boy, we want to talk about it. I mean, there's such a drive to talk to somebody about it. And if you're going to talk to somebody about it, you've got to talk to them, to the right people, somebody who can actually help. We talked last week about our words and gossip and all those kinds of things. You need to talk to somebody who's actually in a position to help. And you need to talk from the perspective of wanting to get help, not just to share your poison. Not, not just to, not just, because see, it makes our emotionally, it'll make us feel better if somebody says, yeah, you're right. Now I'm going to be mad at them too. It makes us feel better. It releases poison all through your life and through their life. You're, you know, uh, and I think the old, the saying, and I don't know, you know, who came up with it. You hear preachers say it all the time. It's a great saying, uh, is that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You know, and that is exactly what it's like. It's like we're drinking the poison, but we're, we're expecting it to hurt them. It's not going to hurt them. It's going to kill you. It's, it's going to absolutely make it so easy for the devil to come into your life and just tear it up. And, the, and don't deny the truth, the truth that you're in bitter envy, the truth that there's something going on in my heart and I am not, I'm having a hard time getting control of it. Please pray with me. You know, don't deny the truth. And I'm telling you, on these kinds of subjects, I've had so many people come in and after they talk for 20 minutes, I mean, it's very evident that they're jealous of another person, of their gift, of their position, of the recognition they've gotten, of their, uh, their income, you know, of the house that they live in, whatever it might be. And almost without exception, when you start to delve into this subject to try and help them get free from that, oh, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. They will deny the truth of it. It seems inherent in jealousy. And, and I find this in offense a lot of times. People will flat out be telling, oh, I'm not offended. But they did this and this and this and this. It's like, you're offended. We need to deal with offense. I'm not criticizing you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you, here's where the cancer is. Let's get it out. And, and there'll be this, and, and I think the reason for that is because we all know we're not supposed to be offended. 
We've been taught a lot about that. We know we're not supposed to let that go on in our hearts. So we come up, self-justification is just, it's just self-deception a lot of times. And again, there's this process in our minds. You can tell me a story about why you feel this way. And you might be right. You might be absolutely right. They might have treated you terribly. It's still poison. It doesn't change the fact that unforgiveness or jealousy or anger, any of these things, it doesn't change the fact that it's poison and it's going to kill you. It's not going to kill them for you to drink the poison, to harbor it in your heart. So uh, sometimes we've, we've just got to, and that's why James, I love this, he brings out, he's, you know, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it, don't deny the truth. Such wisdom. Why would you call that wisdom? It's because there's a wisdom to it in the sense that there is an earthly, what's the list? Earthly, unspiritual, demonic way of thinking that tells you it's okay to be jealous or it's okay to be angry or it's okay to be unforgiving. There's, there's, a, there's a wisdom. You can logically lay out the story. The problem with that wisdom, it's not that it's not wisdom, it's that it's demonic wisdom. It's not the way God looks at it. It's not the way that he solves the problem. It's got nothing to do with truth. Okay, does that make sense to you? That's what he's telling us here. And, and of course, he goes on in that passage and tells us about wisdom that does come from God. And remember that the Lord, he, he said, if you ask him for wisdom, he'll give it to you and he'll give it to you abundantly. He will help you straighten out your thinking. And a lot of times it's just, yep, it happened that way. You have to let it go. I have to let it go. And that's not, I know it's easy to say. It's not so easy to do. That's why we have to keep at it. That's why we have to be patient. We have to keep at it. We got to keep going in God's face and saying, Lord, I will, I want to be free from this. I know you want me free from this. I want that person free from me. I, I want to be done with this, so help me. And by his grace, he will empower you to do what you could never do on your own. He'll, you, know, he will, he, you know, we actually can get free from these things. But the person who's involved in it will feel entitled to it. That's what that term wisdom is about. It, it, it will feel entitled to harbor that envy or that grudge or, or whatever it is. I had this thought come to me the other day and I wrote it down, I'll just share it with you. This is for me. Uh, but I, in, in studying this, this thought came to me and I'm just gonna take hold of it and keep praying it, that the only sense of entitlement I will allow in my life is what I am entitled to, undeserving of, but entitled to that Jesus died to give me the promises of God. I will stand and I will fight for what, are, what is contained in the promises, what was given through me through the blood of Christ, what he won. I don't deserve it, but it is mine. It is my inheritance and that I will fight for. I don't feel entitled to, I don't have to demand it from God. It's not a demanding entitlement toward God, but I will do everything I can do to kick the devil's butt and to deal with my own flesh to be sure that I receive, and that's going to be a lifelong fight, okay, for every one of us, but I want to receive everything he gave me. That I'm entitled to because of him, okay? All the rest of this, you know, the, the world honestly doesn't owe us a thing. So, uh, and if we want to talk about what we're really entitled to apart from God, 
then that's hell. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stay there. Does that make sense to you? All right, so let's go over to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 15. Hebrews 12, verse 15. So, oh, and I'm going to read this. This is from the Passion Translation, uh, just like the way it read. But it says, watch over each other, I like that, to make sure no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Make sure no one misses. We're supposed to watch over each other and help each other get established in a revelation of God's grace. Make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. That's interesting. Will poison the hearts of many. If a root of bitterness is working in me, it will poison the hearts of many. It's not just your thing. You don't live unto yourself. We, we just don't, that doesn't actually exist. Um, but I love this, that the, a revelation of God's grace is what is kryptonite to bitterness. Because a revelation of God's grace always, and it, it reminds us, honestly, of what we don't deserve, okay? It reminds us of what all that he has done for us. It reminds us to be grateful. It just takes us out of bitterness. You can't be living in a strong revelation of the grace of God toward you and have a root of bitterness working in your heart. But I love that it calls it a root of bitterness here because sometimes we take down the tree. We take down the outward expression from the root somehow. But if the root is still in there, it's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep producing. So as long as it's doing that, if there's a root in there, keep going to the Lord about it. Keep taking it uh, to the Lord. And it, it, just, this, it just, that revelation of God's grace just reminds me, I don't deserve what I have, but I, but I thank you for it. It just brings us into thankfulness. It, it takes us to that place. And this word uh, in the... Passion Translation says it will poison the hearts of many. It's a word from the Greek that means the destructive work of rust or decay as in death. The destructive work of rust or decay as in death. So when there's a root of bitterness working in us, it brings decay into other people's lives around us. Just like rust gets on something and just slowly erodes it away, Bitterness in our lives will poison the hearts of many. It will bring decay into the lives of other people. Again, that's what makes a person who's bitter uh, or envious, uh, it makes them toxic. And we, we say that. We realize sometimes, well, that's a toxic relationship. Well, hopefully that can be turned around. But sometimes it is. And sometimes you have to separate yourself. Uh, if the person isn't willing to deal with it, then sometimes we just have to separate ourselves. Okay, so we just have a few minutes left and I want to bring this to you. I'm going to, I'll put this, this is just a part of this passage and I'm just going to try and talk you through this in the next few minutes because this really hit me as I was looking at this. You remember this story or it's in Matthew 20, it's in other places in the gospel. This was the story where there was a landowner, he had a vineyard and he was looking for workers, right? So, so he went out in the morning and he hired guys to go into his field. And he said, I'll pay you a day's wage. He, he was paying 
the, the, the normal day's wage is a 12-hour workday. Here's what people get paid. That's what he told them he'd pay them. They said, great. They went to work. He went back at 9 o'clock in the morning, at noon, at 3 o'clock, kept finding people that were still in the marketplace and hadn't gone to work that day. And he just, with each of them, he just said, go into my field, I'll give you whatever's right. Go into my field. So they'd go and they'd work. And then he even found people the last hour of the day that were still standing around, hadn't gotten hired. He said, go into my field, I'll pay you whatever is right. And they did. And so they worked. So some of them had worked 12 hours, some of them had worked nine or six or three or one, right? So they'd work different amounts. So then he gathers them all up to pay them at the end of the day. And he starts with the guys who had only been there for one hour and he pays them a full day's wage. And, and so the guys that had been there all day were thinking, this is great. We're going to get paid a lot more. Well, he didn't. He paid everybody one day's wage. And that was exactly what he had said he would. It was fair, both in the sense of that's what they agreed to and in the sense that that was normal for society at that time. Here's what you get paid for working 12 hours. So the people who had been working the long day got upset and they got angry with them because they only got paid what they were told they would get paid. And, and this guy gave the people who'd been there one hour the same amount. It was his decision. It was his money. So in verse 12, which is not on your screen, but in verse 12, Matthew 20, verse 12, it says, these men who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, you, listen to what they said. They said, uh, these men who were hired last and worked only one hour, you have made them equal to us who bore the burden of the work. You have made them equal to us. This is one thing jealousy will always do in your heart. It will become in your mind a valuing of other people. You see somebody else that gets blessed. You see somebody else makes more money than you do. You get what you see, whatever going on and you turn it into a value situation. Somebody I, I decided today to give star a gift. Okay. And other people would say, boy, it, you know, he, he lifted her up. And in lifting her up, he put me down. That's jealousy. That's jealousy at work in your heart. Jealousy can only exist in a lack mentality. A mentality that says there's not enough. So if that person makes more, then it needs to be taken away from them and given to me because if they make more, there's not going to be any leftover for me. Or if they are blessed, there won't be enough leftover for me. It, it always exists in a lack mentality. There's not enough to go around. So when I see somebody else get something, that upsets me in my heart because that's what I wanted. And, and honestly, a lot of times there's something we want, and we talk about this all the time. We want it. We're praying for it. We're believing for it. Somebody else gets that blessing. And that is such a huge indicator in our heart. We've got to celebrate their blessing because God's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. You, we've got to celebrate their blessing as a landmark that God does that for people. And I'm going to get that. I'm going to keep believing God for that rather than say, well, they shouldn't have gotten that. I deserved it. I prayed it through. I did whatever. Whenever that stuff starts coming up in your heart, it's going to turn into bitterness. It turns another person's blessing into a competition, into a value measurement. It's so interesting to me. That's what they say. You have made them 
equal to us. The guy was paying a fair wage. He was paying, paying exactly what he told him. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So all he was doing was choosing to be generous with other people with his money. That's all he was doing. He didn't short them. He just chose to be generous. Okay. You can often recognize jealousy uh, by an unrealistic sense of victimhood. And that's what those guys had. Unrealistic sense of victimhood. All right. Verses uh, 13 through 15. Uh, this is the owner coming back. He says, friend, I am doing you no injustice. Notice that. I am doing you no injustice. They were crying out on the outside, on the surface. They were saying, this is unjust. This is wrong. To do justice, you need to take away what they have and give it to me. That's what they were doing. They came in with a cry for justice. It was jealousy at work in their hearts. There was no obligation for him to do that. They, he, he was just, he was being totally fair with them. But something in their hearts said, this is not just. Another person got more than I did. He goes on, he says, did you not agree with me for a denarius, which is a day's wage? Take what belongs to you and go. But I choose to give to the last man hired the same as I give to you. Am I not lawfully permitted to do what I choose with what is mine? Notice this. This is such a great verse. Or is your eye envious, or many of your translations say evil, is your eye evil because I am generous? That term evil eye, it, it speaks of a condition of heart, a corruption in our heart through which things get filtered to where we become jealous. We feel cheated. We feel shorted. Somebody else has more than I am. Somebody else has made more than I am. And this is where we see this in our society right now so strongly. There's this cultural movement to say, if you made a lot of money, you must have cheated. You must have lied. You must be evil. Every, every not just some, Every corporation that's making money is evil. Every person that has money is evil. We don't know them. We don't know their hearts, but we'll sit there and say they are evil. And you know what? Somebody with power needs to go and take away what they have and give it to us. And let me, listen to me now. That God loves justice. Okay, let's get that out there. God loves justice. But that, that idea was never promoted by Jesus. And he actually created the opposite culture, even with his own disciples. He created the opposite culture. And let me just, I'm not going to have time to go, I can't look at those notes because I have a lot more stuff on there and I don't have enough time. But let me give you these points. We have two parables about talents and stewardship. One is people were given an amount of money called talents and another one they were given an amount called minas. But in both of them, People were given different amounts according to their own ability. So God gave them, the, the person in charge, gave them the right amount according to their ability. What does that tell us? People have different abilities. Then some of them doubled what they had, and the one guy buried what he had, right? In both stories, didn't do a thing with it. The owner comes back at the end of the story and takes, the, the one guy had made, turned his five into ten. So he says, well, you better take five away from him and give it to the one who didn't make any. 
It's not the way the story goes. He took the one away from the guy who only had one and gave it to the guy who had the most. Sort it out. Think about it. Sort it out. He took the one away in both stories from the person who had none and actually gave it to the one who had the most, who did the most with his ability. So there's nothing in that story that tells us that we should take away what somebody else has done. Now, the scripture tells us, as far as wealth goes, it tells us that as we are blessed, be sure you're taking care of the poor. Be sure you're taking care of the widow. Be sure you're taking care of the people who can't do it. That's clear in scripture too. God loves justice. Okay, but in both of those stories, he did that. And then Jesus with his own disciples. I never thought about, I actually, I stole this from Chris Valentin. I heard him say this the other day. I never thought about this before. And I'll give him credit once and then I'll pretend I thought of it. So he talked about how the same three guys, Peter, James, and John, always got to go with Jesus when he did something really cool. He always took those same three guys. He didn't rotate. Okay, this time we're going to take three other ones. This time we're going to take three other ones. There's 12 of you. So in four really cool settings, you'll each get to come in with me. No, he goes to the top of the mountain and he's face to face with God. Come out of it glowing. He takes Peter, James, and John. The other nine are left to watch the stuff or something. And, and, and he goes in to raise the dead girl, Peter, James, and John. He did not treat them equally. And we know there was, they got mad about it. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically about that, but there was, he busted them discussing who's the greatest a couple of times. So when there is, I'll call it inequality, but it's good inequality. It's inequality because of abilities or because of callings or because of what God's preparing us for or what, whatever the way we've lived our lives, how we've worked with our finances or our families or whatever. And one person is more blessed than another where there's those, uh, where those inequalities exist. It creates an opportunity for us to get jealous or learn how to not get jealous and love somebody else's blessing. It creates that opportunity. It creates an opportunity for there to be division or, or, or to be each other's strongest advocates. It, cre it creates all of those uh, various elements. But, but here it is. Jesus never modeled this thing that, that we're trying to do right now as in a society. And here's the thing. And this is what those guys basically said. They said, the solution to my jealousy is to make everything equal. Let's take what you're going to pay to everybody and let's divide it up equally. He didn't do that. He said, I gave you what you, what I told you I'd give you. Go your way. Scoot out of my, out of my vineyard. I'm choosing to be, to bless these other people. But right now we're, and I just think this is really dangerous. I think we're going to, because you know, honestly, the society that, that on the surface, on the outside says, Okay, the best way to do this is to make everybody equal. Make sure everybody has the same. We're going to punish those who make more. We're going to take what they have away. We're going to give it to those who have less. We're going to make it all evil, uh, equal. It has a name. It's called communism. Okay, we've tried it. It doesn't work. A lot of people end up dead. And, and so they do. Millions, millions end up dead. It doesn't work. God never intended that way. We all have different abilities. There are things you're really good at that I'm not. There are things I'm called to do that you're not, and things you're called to do that I'm not, and God's grace is going to be in those things. 
And so our successes, you know, we're going we're gonna to stand by one another. We're going to build our strengths together. And we're going to hopefully, as we spend time with God, eliminate weaknesses in all of us. We're going to keep growing together. But we're not all going to have the same things or do the same things. We're not all going to get the same amounts of recognition. And it's an ungodly thought to think that that's what we're supposed, that that's the way it's supposed to be. It's just an ungodly thought. So we need to figure it out as a society. Because I think, in a, you know, again, it comes up right now as a cry for justice. It's, it's justice. It's, you know, we're just thinking about them. No, you're not. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it anymore. You're not, you're not just thinking about them. You're thinking about you. And that's jealousy and that's envy and that's bitterness. It's poisonous and it's awful. And we can't afford to go there. Do we need to take care of the poor? Yeah, we better. Do we need to be sure that there's, uh, you know, equity? I'm trying to stop. I promise. I'm not even going to look at the clock. I'm trying to stop. Our founding father said, all people are created equal. And we believe that. Okay? And that's true. And what they were talking about is all races, ethnicities, nationalities, genders. We're all equal. And we all deserve equal opportunities. And they, and they built a government system on that. Okay? We all believe that. But all of us know that some people are more skilled in one area. Some people are more gifted. It doesn't mean we're all the same. Equality in that sense and equality of opportunity doesn't mean equality of outcome. And, and even in heaven, there are different levels of reward in heaven. So if you struggle with this, I just encourage you. I, I hope this doesn't make you mad. It's just something to wake up to and realize, you know what? I need to rethink this. I need to figure this out. And how does this apply to family? And how does it apply to society? And how does it apply? Because none of us have it all right. But some of those ideas that are coming up right now, and they're being labeled, I see it, friends of mine or people I know on Facebook, um, that are labeling that as, oh, this is the way Jesus would do it. This is the way he didn't. He didn't do it. He actually created an unequal system within his own disciples. So I need to think that through more. You probably need to think that through more. We certainly need to think that through more as a society. So I'm going to leave it there. And um, did you get anything out of this? All right. I've been making you guys so happy the last few weeks. Hasn't this been fun? No, it's been good. Let's stand up and pray together. And then we're going to come back at 6 o'clock for a remedy. It's going to be so good. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I just pray, Lord, that in all of that... Father, that you administer into our hearts the pieces, the parts, the words, Father, that need to resonate within us. The things that, there are certain things, I'm sure, that you want to change in every one of us in our thinking. So, Lord, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you would come. Bring revelation out of the word. Just, just impart it, impress it upon our hearts. And we choose Lord, not to let it go. And Father, where any one of us, probably many of us, Father, if there are areas of jealousy in our lives, help us, Lord, to go through that. Help us, Father, to learn how to forgive, to learn that you have enough for everyone, to always remember, Lord, that there, there's nothing impossible with you. There's never a shortage with you. And help us, Father, to lay those things aside and let them go. 
And Lord, I just pray that every person in this room, Lord, as we spend time with you, we'd be free from all of those pathways that lead to bitterness so that we can be happy, smiling, joyous, generous old people. And we just thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to let you go. We're going to say this together on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin world. There's lots of, lots of good snacks out there today. So enjoy yourselves for a while, okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.